This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles and their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay in Dunedin and I'm joined by Shane Gallagher who's also in Dunedin but not Sawyers Bay. Welcome Shane. Thank you. Kia ora. How's your day been? Oh pretty good. Actually I'm very very busy. Um, I've been doing a lot of work so I'm just constantly trying to, which is why I haven't been on the show much, I'm really really busy. So uh, today I kind of took a day off and uh, did a bit of shopping which was fun and um yeah, so it's been relax- kind of my relaxing day because I haven't had any since the since the lockdown. So the three weeks have been flat out. So yeah, it's been pretty busy, but good day, good day. And we are joined by Eleanor Erickson, who is from Tomba, southwest of Stockholm in Sweden. Welcome. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Hi. So. Who do you have in your bubble? I should say we're calling the the, the self-isolation unit the bubble in, in New Zealand. Okay. Well, so I'm sitting here in, in Tumba in south of, south of Stockholm then. And um, I think that the, the situation here is slightly different from other countries because we don't have the hard lockdown. But I'm mostly spending my time with my closest family. So it's my husband and my two children. They're nine and uh, 11. And they still go to school. However, this week, it's an Easter holiday in, in our municipality. So they're at home. So it's an interesting thing that Sweden's chosen, a path that Sweden's chosen to take. Yeah, I guess that some some are really curious about the, the decisions that our government has done. But um, they have been pretty clear that they're following the uh, health organization uh, that we're having here and so, so they they're not making political decisions that are beyond what the health uh, agencies uh, arguing for so it's um i mean there's some some regulations in in place so we can't have any gatherings with more than 50 people um and they're really i mean it's a strong recommendation it's not uh, any kind of martial law or anything but it's a strong recommendation that we should stay at home uh, if we can. So uh, if you're able to work from home, you should work from home. You should avoid um, being in crowds. You should avoid restaurants, etc., etc. But there's no like hard lockdown. So are you working from home? Yeah, I've been working ho- from home for four weeks now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's pretty interesting. But I'm, I'm happy in the sense that, uh, or lucky in the sense that I don't have any um, scheduled teaching this semester. So um, I was teaching between January and March, and I actually had my um, my very last uh, uh, session with my students 
three days before I went home and never came back to the university. Or not never, I mean, <laughs> eventually I'll come back to, to the university. But otherwise I'm, I'm teaching from home. So the only thing I have is I'm, I'm supervising some master students and, and that I can do over Zoom. So it's pretty easy. So the university's carried on? Yeah, so there's been um, lots of information from our chancellor and from our head of teaching, etc. That teaching is the the one and only thing that we should do if if we can do anything. So it's the highest priority. And they switched everything to online over the course of a weekend. Um, I think some courses have had it easier. I had a colleague who had to distribute 50 goodie bags of uh, electronics to his students. Uh, in some cases, uh, actually leaving them on the doorstep of their homes uh, because they're having a, uh, one of those courses where they're supposed to tinker with uh, sensors, etc. So the only way to do it was to actually deliver the stuff to them. And how are you finding you're working from home? Well, I'm, I'm pretty lucky. So, um, I mean, I live with, uh, in a small um, row house. Is that the correct name? Like houses that are sitting together. So we, we got a house. I've got two floors. Um, I have a room where nobody is sleeping in the room. So it's a, like a guest room and everything else kind of room um, where I got an extra screen and I got the proper table that I've cleaned up enough <laughs> and I can close the door <laughs> and it's on the upper floor so the, the kitchen and the living room is downstairs and and that means that even though I've had a, um, my daughter who's 11 she's been home for a couple of weeks with a sore throat but it was possible to do then because uh, she she had space to be in etc etc so I'm, I'm pretty lucky in my little bubble uh, in that sense. And has school carried on as well? Yeah, so all the, the um, how do you call that, primary schools are open and daycare is open in, in Sweden. Uh, there there might be a few places where they had to close down because the staff was too sick. So, uh, But in general, the schools are open. They, um, like, um, how do you call that, you, uh, high schools and universities, universities are um, have moved online. So they're not closed, but uh, they're moved online. So I've got colleagues who has their kids at home uh, all the time. Saying in her sleep Brother's got a date to keep He can't hang around
gets up late for work Mother has to iron his shirt Then she sends the kids to school Sees them off with a small kiss She's the one they're going to miss in lots of ways So I presume that you're managing to get out and about? Yes. I mean, I, I try to avoid um, going where there might be people. And you get a bit paranoid uh, in terms of should we take the commuter train if we want to go somewhere or should we take a, a, a car sharing car? Uh, and um, But I, I mean, I we do go out and I try to go out every day for a walk before I start working in the morning. I've noticed that I'm I'm working actually more when I'm at home because, <laughs> I mean, I had a 50-minute uh, commuter ride if you include the walking and, and so on. So so I, I miss the, the, the movement I had to do, like the stairs I had to climb and, and all those things that you took for granted before this. So I've started to try to find some kind of routine to walk in the morning for one and a half kilometers or something like that. And, and I'm lucky in the sense that we have a wood or a forest just nearby. So I tried to like make a small turnabout in, about in the, in the forest uh, and, and so on. So, yeah, we get out. But, I mean, I, I avoid going shopping or I avoid going to the, the grocery store or whatnot. Uh, we do it once a week and we fill up the cabinets, etc. So we don't have to go out in, where people are. Um, so it's bit weird you know we you, you talk it's it's the same thing every year in sweden as soon as the sun comes out people start crowding and going out into their gardens and whatnot like you, you live in a in a desert uh during the winter but then as soon as the sun comes uh people are starting to pop out again and, and become social but now we're staying a couple of feet apart like talking to each other <laughs> are you getting out on your bike um, a little bit on the bike. So one of the things that hasn't been cancelled, um, like lots of stuff has been cancelled that are extra 
curricular or whatnot, but uh, I'm taking riding classes, horseback riding classes uh, once a week. And um, so does the rest of the family, different days. <laughs> so we still go there by bike. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, so we have a box bike with an electric motor and I love it. That's also what I'm using when I'm going out, out grocery shopping, filling it up, the whole box of it. I've been dining out on your town to, I tell anybody that listens about how, what a wonderful town it is and how well it's set out in terms of the, 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 the lifestyle, particularly in terms of the, the cars being around the outside rather than in the, the middle. Yeah, it, I, I don't really know. Like, I haven't read up on if there was a conscious choice to do it that way. But for us, especially where we're living, um, it's very easy to have children since the, the, there's like a huge uh, sports and park area uh, just beside our house where the school is as well. So there's no cars there and there's biking lanes and walking lanes and, and etc. So in, in that direction, it's really, really easy to let the kids go and do whatever they want to without having um, being frightened that they might be hit by a car or something. Um, it's also, we're living in a valley, so it's very flat. So the days when I'm a bit lazy, when I'm doing my walk or when I'm jogging, I can always choose to, <laughs> to run or walk on the, on the flat. So, you know, there's no hills or anything. It's just a very long uh, valley that you can uh, run through. Um, otherwise, I mean, this, yeah, since it's a valley, if you want to go in any other direction, you have to <laughs> you have to go uphill quite a lot. Liesel Mitchell is a downtown dweller, urban explorer, and conversationalist, observing city life in lockdown. Hello there, everybody. Lovely that you could join us again today. And it's Liesl here calling in from uh, my bubble at the old uh, Zoo Loftier, where all exciting things happen, or maybe actually not many exciting things are happening right at the moment. But let's just say that things are um, under control. Uh, it's a warm, safe environment. I seem to be getting into a really good routine and um, yeah I think overall it's a it's actually quite a good experience I mean you know saying that in light of the fact that this is not this is not a good experience and what's going on in terms of um, COVID-19 we don't want um, anything to get too much worse here in New Zealand but um, it does seem to be working um, we seem to be uh, making some progress and I think we just have to keep on keeping on but um, yeah definitely this is giving us all pause for thought and I hope that's how we can use this time um, yeah I, I kind of wanted to talk about the supermarket again and I know that I've talked about the supermarket but today I was um, interested to see that there was, there was the supermarket at 9 o'clock this morning. On, um, it, was a, it was just, you know, another morning in lockdown land. And 9 o'clock, you know, do we all need to be up at 9 o'clock? Well, I was up at 9 o'clock and I was going for a walk. But um, the car park of New World was just jam-packed. And the, the line around the, the block was, 
was long and um, I'm not sure how long it takes to actually move through that line but it looked like it was a decent weight and then when I walked past Countdown it was a very similar situation and the line at Countdown I think went all the way out from the doors out onto the one-way street and down the one-way street past both the exit and the entry onto the one-way street of the Countdown car park so yeah a few people waiting in line and um, I know I saw Pack and Save similarly the other day when I was looping that way on my little walk instead. And um, I'm, just, I'm just curious as to what we are doing because I'm trying to be organised. I'm trying to go once a week and just do my weekly shop. Uh, and that's really all I want to do because, you know, clearly it is not the most exciting experience at the moment I'd say bordering on stressful um, oh, definitely stressful what am I saying it's not bordering on anything it is stressful and um, and I think you know the more people that that go obviously the longer you have to wait and things so I'm trying to trying to be thoughtful trying not to go too often and uh, yeah I guess I just assume that other people are doing the same but there does seem to be a huge sort of amount of people always uh, going to the supermarket so I just wonder if it's got something to do with our sort of attitude towards buying things and you know everything's closed well everything is physically closed I guess some things are still virtually available to us we can shop online for some things but there's something about maybe the fact that we're so used to buying things all the time and we're so used to being in shopping mode, maybe the fact that the supermarket is open and it's our only sort of outlet for that experience, people are using it as, you know, sort of like their, I don't know, is it an addiction? Do we do we have to get our fix? I'm not sure. I'm just really interested and uh, I'm not saying I'm above this either. I'm, I feel the draw to the supermarket. I just also know that I'm hating the stress of the supermarket and I am trying to be thoughtful about this I think we've all got to be just a little bit selfless and think about the fact that you know there are lots of other people involved here and it's not just about our own needs it's everybody so there's a lot to consider and I think you know while we've got this time in our bubbles some of these things are good to think about because I know for me I don't want to go back to the way it was I think this is an amazing opportunity for us to think about the way we have been living and I hope that we are able to come up with some different solutions post bubble land so anyway those are my thoughts I hope you're having a wonderful day continue to bubble look after yourselves and talk soon So how's school going? Is she learning English yet? My daughter, yeah, she's learning English. I noticed also that uh, both of my kids are playing some um, computer games and, and so on. So I think they're picking up English English much uh, faster than I was doing in when I was their age. Um, so a little bit of English, yes. Especially the 11-year-old. I think the... The nine-year-old, my son, he's, uh, he's picking it up as well, but um, I'm guessing that she can follow some movies even, maybe, um, a bit. I look forward to a conversation with her one day. With both yeah, of them. that would be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and how's your husband? Yeah, my husband's fine. So, um, 
he's looking for a new job, but uh, he's not uh, sick anymore. So for, for context, uh, we went through a, a pretty rough time a couple of years back when my husband got uh, diagnosed with lymphoma. So he started out quite, um, how do you say, um, easy or, or whatnot, but uh, after a year it transformed into a highly aggressive lymphoma. So he had to go through a, a pretty rough uh, chemo treatment for half a year, and then they did an autologous uh, stem, stem, stem cell transplant, uh, which basically means that you do an alt, alt control delete on, on the bone marrow. Um, so they wipe it out totally. He was admitted to the hospital for almost four weeks. And then they put back his own stem cells that they had been harvesting earlier uh, in the process. And so far, so good. This, is, this was in 2017. Uh, and there's no signs of the, the cancer coming back. So that's, that's really, really good news. Oh, well done. And I've been thinking about it a lot lately, um, mainly because, I mean, some of the measures that people have to do right now is the same things that we did in 2017, like wash your hands, for God's sake, all the time, uh, and social distancing and all those things. So, I mean, I don't know, but perhaps this... Um, pandemic has been easier for us to like my family to adjust to because we we've been through this process where we had to change our life quite radically around health basically and how's the farm going um yeah so my father's living on a farm uh in the countryside he's a bit old he's uh, 68 now well, that's not very old, <laughs> but uh, I would argue that he's in the risk group for for the the coronavirus. So they've they've self isolated and asked us to not come there. <laughs> we have gone there, but we've been like waving from afar and and leaving him some newspapers and and stuff. Um, I think that uh, they're pretty fine up there, and they're expanding their like. Uh, vegetable garden every year um, so as he gets older and starts to downsize the, the the proper farm part of the farm and uh, they instead start growing more things in in their uh, garden and uh, his wife is also staying from home she has a work working place in Stockholm but um, she's been having a, a, a no she doesn't have to go to work a according to her boss. So she's also staying more at the farm quite a lot. So did you went to, no, you didn't do a drive-by because you don't drive, but did you go and sneak up? No, we, we yeah, we didn't drive-by. <laughs> no, we had to, to leave some things to, to them and uh, we put them on the porch and we kind of stand, stood a, a couple of, I don't know, 10 metres apart talking <laughs> to them. But unfortunately, we can't spend much time there and I, I kind of understand them because I think they're both in, in some kind of risk group. My father is, as I said, a bit old. He's also um, uh, affected of being a farmer all his life. So his, his lungs are uh, a bit poorer. Uh, and his wife, she's Lena, she's got uh, asthma. So both of them are, are kind of not, um, I wouldn't want them to get this virus right now. So, so we're hoping for a, <laughs> a vaccination or something so we can start spending more time with them again. Are you spending time on some device with them? FaceTime I or something? I call them quite a lot. 
we don't we haven't used FaceTime yet, uh, but we're, I'm having a some conversations with them and, and so on. But I mean, we, we were there last weekend and we were there this weekend as well. Just, you know, going there and saying hello. This is Capital Cities, safe and sound. Are you getting some writing done? Um, sure. <laughs> Maybe not as much as I would like to, but um, <laughs> join the club. Yeah, I'm. I'm in several um, uh, prod different writing projects regarding the different articles uh, for journal or conferences. So, in in a sense, it's been a pretty productive uh, couple of weeks here. Um, but it's 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 the typical um, 
university or academia syndrome that you always feel that you could have done more or there's more to do. There's like an endless list of things that you should do. And then the other part is that we have several projects that we don't really know where they're going, like research projects. Uh, I, I, they will be fine in the end, but but they are heavily affected by the coronavirus. So you're kind of stand, standing there wondering, what should I do with this? Some things are really easy to just cancel, but others are like, oh my God, but what will we do then instead of this? So I'll, I'll give you an example. One of the research projects that we're working with right now is on uh, um, CO2 emissions from travel, from academic flying. And we were meant to during sorted. April and May. Sorry? You've so sorted. Sorted, yes. <laughs> yes. That's the problem for us. <laughs> or, I mean, it's great. <laughs> now we were supposed to do these kind of negotiation workshops with different departments at our university <laughs> where they were supposed to hand back carbon emissions <laughs> that they couldn't use. <laughs> and it's like, well, that's done now. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it's a product that runs until um, 2022, uh, and we're not really sure what's going to happen next year, what we're going to do in this project. We, we'll, it, it has to change. It has to be about how do we not increase our carbon emissions when we come out of this corona situation. Yeah, and uh, what are we learning? Are we learning that we don't need to travel a lot? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And and do we learn anything about the, the different ways on how we do these video conferences or or uh, like this, an interview or or whatnot? So I think that's that's super interesting. And, and um, I really hope that life doesn't go back to normal, at least not the same normal as we had before. It has to be a new normal. Although you were already traveling around Europe by train. Yes, I was, but that's me personally. I mean, I'm just a tiny little drop in a big sea of academics at, at the KTH. Uh, but yes, I was traveling by train and I, I love it. I um, It's a bit exhausting in one sense, uh, but on the other hand, I really like going by train. It's, it's a lovely way of working on the train. You get isolated and... and you can't really get disturbed, so you can get some reading and writing done, and you feel that you actually travel. So you, you get a sense of um, faraway places are really far away. So then you, when you arrive there, you maybe, or at least I do, uh, enjoy it more because I feel like there's been this hardship of getting there. What's your pick? Do you think that once the lockdown is off, we'll just say, woohoo, we're back to conferences or will there be some change in how we do things um i'm i'm i don't feel certain in any way i really hope that we learn from this and that we maybe slow down a bit um but i i'm, I'm afraid that people might feel like oh i'm gonna like in swedish we have this uh, expression called unnasay which is like you you feel that you not really are, are entitled to, but you're going to... It's like when you eat a cake, and then you're going to take one more cake because you're, like, <laughs> worth it. Um, I and like I'm that afraid idea. That people, yeah, the, it, as long as it's cake, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think it would be good if we, we keep up with our carbon-intensive uh, practices because we think that we are worth it. Um, no, I, I hope... I mean, if you, if you look at 
the carbon law, as described by Johan Rockström and, and other researchers, uh, 2020 was a, a very, very important, or is a very important year, in the sense that this was the year when we had to break the carbon emission curve. Um, if we want to fulfill the Paris Agreement, we have to cut our carbon emissions by 50% every decade from 2020. So from 2020 to 2030, we have to cut our emissions by 50% and then the next decade, 50 again, and then 50 again. Uh, I think that the, this coronavirus would help us to actually curb the carbon emissions. I, I'm not 100% I'm not sure, but I'm, 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 um, when you're looking at aviation and, and other um, industries and, and, I mean, the emissions and the satellite images over China and whatnot, um, the emissions from this year will be very, very different, and hopefully you will see this dent in the curve. Uh, and I hope that people take this as an opportunity to, um, that we should grasp and, and just run with so that we don't let the, the carbon emissions go up again. Like, we were forced to cut our carbon emissions, but let's, let's go downhill from here and learn from the situation, etc. Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokadui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, na mihi aroha nui kia koutou ko tahuahau. Super excited to have some more time with you today. And I'm going to be speaking with you today about something I have been really loving and I've been really grateful for the opportunity for, which is growing my patience. And as we all know, many aspects of our lives have shifted and we are finding ourselves in a new time where we're having to draw upon the skills that we have evolved over billions of years to be right here right now as a species of animal to guide us through this new time, doing things differently, adapting to new ways of being and finding ways to thrive. So patience, of course, is our best friend in all of this. And what does patience mean for you? It's going to be different for everybody. And I think some of the things that have really helped me, I hope, can help you. So, of course, at this time, we are wanting to make progress with all the projects that we're involved with. And we are having to release the pressure on ourselves a wee bit and take the foot off the throttle of projecting into the future visions and reframe some of our perspectives and our priorities at this time. So a huge priority, of course, has to be self-care and care for those around us in our precious beloved bubbles. And in this process, we can start to grow patience and work in partnership with one another. So one of the bigger things, I think, for me is shifting my perspectives in terms of if something comes up that I may perceive as a problem, shifting my perspective to see it rather than as a problem, as part of a process. And everything that we are involved with is part of a process. This time that we find ourselves in right now is part of the evolution of all species on Earth, all consciousness on Earth. We are part of that right here, right now. And also, I've been loving all the possibilities of play and pleasure to be found in real reawakening in the present moment and a bit of a step back from my patterns 
of thoughts, feelings, emotions, identities, identifications with various things. And so today was a prime example of this. And you might notice a lot of words starting with the letter P in this particular podcast. Very interesting. So part of being in this new time is developing some new skills. And as you know, we now have six beautiful hens and two beautiful kittens that we're really grateful to have the opportunity to nurture throughout this time. And that has certainly helped me really grow that sense of personal empowerment and structure and responsibility and love, bringing that love forward has been so helpful. So because we have many storms on the horizon, I needed to rehay the Hay Hay HQ, which is the hen house, and make sure they had lots of beautiful hay over the next few days. And I asked my beautiful partner, Harvey Penfold, if he wanted to help. And it was you know, the morning, which is not necessarily the best time for him. He was still in bed. You know, there were a number of factors there colouring his perceptions, but he didn't feel like helping. And, you know, it was really great for me because it was an opportunity to grow my patience, which I'm working on this time. And I was able to take a bit of a step back from my thoughts, feelings, emotions, and look at the patterns that were coming up for me. So a lot of patterns that were coming up from the past of, you know, poor me and uh, notions of, you know, needing to be provided with support and that support not being there and, or, you know, a whole suite of emotions associated with that. And I was able to take a step back from that and actually recognise my own power, my own ability to rehay the Hey Hey HQ and grow my patience. And in that time uh, that I was able to do that, Harvey Penfold actually changed his mind and did come and help, Woohoo! which is fantastic. But I think just this little situation today has really helped me in terms of all these other aspects of the world that we find ourselves in. So if we can, when we are finding that lack of, of ease, of immediacy, of accessibility, of convenience, we are needing to grow our patience. If we can take a little step back recognize the power that we all possess, recognize the skills that we hold, the tools that surround us to enable us to do things in a different way and the partnerships that are there, the opportunities to work together, maybe work with new people in new ways as well so that we can make progress and we can achieve, maybe with a different set of priorities, what we want in order to be part of this process of evolution and change and transformation. So I hope that wee story has helped you today and I'm really looking forward to having more time with you next time. Thank you all for being born and bringing your unique magic into this beautiful world. Thank you all for making things better every day, who you are and what you do. And I look forward to talking next time. Thanks so much. Kakiti. Do you think that the, 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 the concept of flight shaming was having traction? Well, I've got some colleagues of mine, uh, Nina Worms and um, Maria Wolras Söderberg. They published a, a, a small report in November or December last year, I think, where they had been going through the, the um, material of a survey that they sent out. 
So it was not like a quantitative study, but it was a qualitative study of how people reason around their flying. And they had been sending this survey or letting people who had stopped flying to answer the survey. Uh, and flight shame, I mean, it was, of course, mentioned, but it was not mentioned as the thing that made people stop flying. But it was, a, it was something that people could latch on to and feel that they were not alone in choosing to not fly anymore. So they never talked about shame, but they, they talked about morality. And they talked about uh, this being something that they just had to do when they had understood uh, the problems with carbon emissions and their own flying. So they had learned something uh, maybe as uh, um, putting their own carbon emissions from flying in relation to other things. Um, and then there was some other issue. They might have had family members or children or grandchildren had started talking about this or Greta Thunberg or something. And they kind of had the revelation that I can't do this anymore. It's a, it's a moral issue and I can't fly anymore with, with any good conscience. Uh, and so the flight shame for them was not the thing that pushed them over, so, so to say, the tipping point. But it was something that they could feel that they could get strength from. Like um, it was an argument that they could maybe feel a bit backed up by rather than being shamed into stop flying. So what do you think that we can learn from this time of this coronavirus for that sort of societal behaviour change that we're trying to make happen on a wider scale? Well, one thing is I hope that people maybe learn from this is that we actually can go slower. Um, so maybe slowness and appreciating uh, slowness. That's one thing. The other thing is uh, consumption, at least in Sweden, has gone down brutally. People don't buy stuff in the same way. I mean, if I look out the window uh, in, in this area, I see that quite a lot of people start doing this home uh, renovation projects or build a new, I don't know, what not. Uh, but in general, <laughs> in general, the, the consumption has gone down. And I'm, I'm hoping that we realize that we don't really need all that consumption that we've been having. And that we maybe can find a way of putting meaning in our life without buying new stuff. So slowness and less consumption, uh, appreciating loved ones and, and appreciating connection, maybe. So I have a couple of um, friends from the university we studied together. And in the beginning after we graduated, we, we, we met quite often over dinner. And then all of us got kids and we moved uh, far and wide. Uh, and we have not been meeting up so much. So uh, early January, one of us who lives in the very north of Sweden wanted the rest of us to, to meet up with her up there. And, it wasn't possible, and then we started having this kind of discussion. Should we go to a spa? Where should we go? Blah, 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 and flying or not, and etc., etc. And then the coronavirus hit, and, and we had to stay at home. So uh, a week back, I, I, I sent a message to them saying, like, I'm sorry, guys, we're not going to meet this spring, so who wants to take a beer or a glass of wine with me in Zoom? <laughs> We were like, why haven't we done this before? Why haven't we, you know, why wait a couple of years before we meet each other? Why don't we just make sure that we, every quarter or something, 
gather in Zoom and look at each other while, while drinking wine and talking about our families. <laughs> Rahui Images by Andy Thompson, providing us with daily inspiration through the camera lens. See Andy's pictures on Andy Thompson Photography NZ.co.nz. Kia ora, and welcome to COVID 19 Rahui Images blog from Andy Thompson, and this one's about a point of view. Everybody has a point of view, in fact, everybody has an opinion. And of course, a famous Bon Mott asserts that opinions are like assholes and that everyone has one. But of course, Tim Minchin goes on a little bit more and expands on this and says there is great wisdom in this. But I would add that opinions differ significantly from assholes and that yours should be constantly and thoroughly examined. Uh, so anyway, he uh, continues and says, take them out into the veranda and beat them with a cricket bat. Be intellectually rigorous, identify your biases, your prejudice, and your privileges. So what a great um, way to kind of consider what is your point of view. And everybody has one, and everybody has an opinion. I guess uh, the interesting thing about the relationships that have been created within this particular Rahui, and in times of crisis, it brings out the best and the worst in people. I've heard of terrible things that people are doing to each other, and especially at supermarkets when essential staff are having to work. And kind of shame on you if you have done that. Pull your head out. Um, but also, I've heard some really amazing things that people are doing, and we must remember the cool things that people are actually doing. So there's some good things that come out of this sort of time of crisis and people that are actually going out delivering food for elderly children and families and all the amazing health and well-being sessions that have been offered online for keeping people active. So look for the good opportunities is my suggestion. Look for the greatness in, in yourself and look for the greatness in other people. Be authentic and uplifting for others. Um, we're not living, living in Disneyland um, but, uh, but you want to look for the positive. In terms of photography Having a point of view, uh, I define this as the point of view highlights the relationship between the photographer and the scene they are photographing. For example, a scene photographed from a short distance will express closeness to the elements of the photo. A scene photographed from further away will convey a sense of distance. So if you're thinking about having a point of view within your images, then what you need to do is you need to think about do you want to create distance, that relationship between yourself and the scene, or do you want to get up close? And if you have a look at my blog, there's the cover photo that creates a little bit of distance, and then also there's a few photos where I've gone really close up with a portrait, um, and also I uh, created a portrait of this poor shag. So this, also, this blog has a little bit of a sad part to it, we came across this um, shag uh, kumaruk, which was actually on the road near our bubble because we're near the water, and it was very unwell. And so um, so I took images of it, and uh, this particular image sings out to me in regards to its head hanging low. Now, there's, there's absolutely nothing we can do. The best thing we can do is give it a wide berth and let it roll its course. Um, and so that's life, isn't it? That's, that's the tough thing. Our only hope that the shag came right, 
Uh, we're not sure if it got hit by a car, uh, fell out of a tree, or worse, is um, uh, it had eaten plastic. It didn't look like it had a broken wing, but it looked really sad. So I took some images of this shag. The cool thing is my relationship between uh, myself and the animal was at a big distance because I used a strong lens. So I could actually stay far away and keep out of its bubble. But my relationship in regards to what I could see was very close. And so my point of view was very close and you can see the detail of the bird uh, and you can see um, it hanging its head and not looking very uh, happy. So if you're thinking about a point of view, question yourself, what is your relationship with the scene you were photographing? Um, and in this case, with a wildlife, I want to stay far away. And do you want to uh, go close or do you want to keep it at a, and that, at a distance? So it depends on what sort of lens you might actually uh, choose. And also always be respectful uh, in that relationship. Uphold the manner of your subject in every time. All right, hope that helps. Uh, stay safe out there and uh, stay in your bubble. Uh, we're doing well. Kia kaha to everybody. Kia ora. So I've got some questions to end with. You'll recognise some of them from Sustainable mm. Lens. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? My biggest success? Oh, that would be teaching. Um, the kind of engagement that I see in my students after they've taken our courses. It's just amazing to see these students and and how, they, how brilliant they are and how... Um, inquisitive and um, even though they, they sometimes have quite a dark view on the future they always try to seek out solutions in different ways so engagement um, so I really 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 like that I mean it's hard to see it as a success necessarily for me but it's definitely one of the things that makes it worthwhile uh, going to work so we're writing a book of these conversations it's called tomorrow's heroes so what's your superpower? What's got you into the mansion? Oh, well, I don't know. I, I think that... Um, I think my teaching is one of my superpowers and talking to people or standing in front of people and, and, and making them engaged and making them realize that what I'm talking about is important and, and maybe, hopefully... Uh, making them making them want to learn more about it. You're still managing to get that engagement remotely. Um, so I haven't tried. We haven't tried it yet since since uh, our our courses go goes from October to December and then from January to March. And um, so I mean, if this carries on for a longer period of time, we have to see. Of course. Um, Do you think you could pull it off? So yeah, maybe. Um, we would probably need to change some of the um, ways we're teaching and making maybe smaller groups so that we can have the conversation going between us and the students. Um, so usually we have, for example, seminars with 20 people in the room, and I think that's too much if you're sitting in Zoom to, to, to get 20 people to talk. Um, one of the things that might be really hard is, so last year we, in, or the year before actually, we introduced system thinking exercises in our courses. So we're playing silly games with them. 
that then later helps them to understand some of the systems thinking concepts in the lectures. And uh, I mean, that's a very uh, bodily or, you know, mm. you're supposed to be engaged with your whole body when you're doing that. So I think that's pretty hard to do <laughs> uh, remotely. Uh, but I mean, it, it depends a little bit on where this is going. Uh, the, the, the part of our teaching where we are very open and honest about our own feelings and our own values, that could definitely be also conveyed through um, digital means. Um, but I still think that um, the more playful parts of the, the course is difficult to do over Maybe video that's conferencing. A there's a challenge for us, how to get the systems thinking playbook remote. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's good challenge. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Probably yes. <laughs> um, I'm not as activist as others, but I'm also more activist than most. Um, I don't think I'm on the very forefront uh, all the time, but I'm, I'm. I think that by by how I choose my research projects and by how I choose choose to do my teaching i'm also an activist in the sense that i'm really pushing for change through both of those things that i'm doing i mean in, in my private life i'm um i'm not super engaged but um, i do go to demonstrations and and i also try to live in a way that i think is more sustainable what challenge are you looking forward to in the next couple of years oh I'm not sure I'm looking forward to it, but um, I'm really, I really want to see the carbon law put into practice. And I like the pedagogical way of it. I mean, I, it's not, I'm, I'm not sure that the carbon law is enough, but as a pedagogical tool, to tell someone that you have to cut your carbon emission by 50% every decade, it's, it's really easy and concrete. And you can project it into any kind of time frame and still have an idea of what it would be like. And you can put it into perspective of your current life, um, which is good. So imagine that I, I had to, if I was a person who was flying twice a year, it would be easy to tell me that, okay, but you don't have to stop flying. You just have to fly once a year for the next decade. And, and that's, that's not maybe so bad. And then you can come with the, the hard facts that next decade you have to only fly every second year. Etc. Et so lastly and quickly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Oh, take care of each other and show love and consideration and and be grateful. Shane, any last thoughts? Uh, no, I just think it's interesting how we have uh, everyone's talking about how the new normal is going to be not the same as the previous normal, and that's conversations we're having right across the world. So, yeah. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at three and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find Blowing Bubbles on Facebook as well. We've had contributions from Tahu McKenzie, Andy Thompson and Liesl Mitchell. I'm Samuel Manasoyas Bay. 
with Shane Gallagher in Dunedin. We've been joined by Elena Eriksson in Tumba outside Stockholm in Sweden. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.